1: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, in Great Britain... Our nearest neighbours, there is a political drama today. This is Monday, and by the end of the day, or maybe maybe the end of tomorrow, Liz Truss will no longer be Prime Minister. But at the moment, she has a new Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, who has ripped up the budget of his predecessor, Kwasi Kwatang, and Britain is trying to, the Tory government is trying to salvage the life of the Prime Minister, maybe. Or maybe they're trying to get rid of her. But whatever is happening... It's fascinating, it's dangerous for people, and it has an effect, of course, on us as well. And it's a pleasure to welcome to the programme now one of the most courageous and brilliant British journalists. Peter Oberyn is his name. We've had the pleasure of having him on the stand before. His last job in journalism, in mainstream journalism, was Chief Political Commentator of the Daily Telegraph. He resigned that job in 2015. He's the author of a number of really fascinating books. One is The Rise of Political Lying, The Triumph of the Political Class, and The Assault on Truth, Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, and the Emergence of a New Moral Barbarism. His latest book is The Fate of Abraham, which is very interesting, why the West is wrong about Islam. He was Press Awards Columnist of the Year in Britain, in 2012 and again in 2016. And he also worked with Boris Johnson at The Spectator when uh, Johnson was editor and I think Peter was political correspondent. Peter, good day to you. We we don't know where this story will be in a few hours' time, but the Jeremy Hunt announcement this morning, which lasted no more than 10 minutes, was very dramatic and a complete repudiation of Kwasi Kwarteng and Liz Truss.
1: Oh, indeed, it was um, completely humiliating for Liz Truss. It uh, she ran uh, to be Tory leader on what she called her growth strategy. Um, that was then unveiled after she won the Tory uh, leadership and became British Prime Minister. The first first thing she did after the ten days morning for the. Her Majesty the late Queen was to unveil her, her this budget, which was completely torn to shreds uh, in front of the entire nation. Um, uh, yes, you know, just a few hours ago. So that's, that's uh, totally humiliating for her. I, I assume she can't survive. I mean, she's still formerly prime minister. Um, but I assume that she will have to be like somebody will spell out to her that she's got to leave. Very soon.
0: Yes, and a lot of uh, Tory MPs have gone public. Um, one of the first things on his first day as Chancellor of the Exchequer, Quasi Kwatang, he dismissed Sir Tom Scholar, who was the Permanent Secretary at the Department at the Treasury. That's uh, uh, a remarkable way to begin your work. But there is a theory, and it's advanced by Martin Wolf in EFT today, that these are the Brexit revolutionaries who have increasingly seized control of Britain. And Tory MP yesterday, I noted, Robert Halfon. He mm. said, these are libertarian jihadists. And the reference there was to everything that's happened since they became, uh, since they took control of the Tory party, which I think they have done, haven't they?
1: Well, I think they did. I, I, I think what is happening, this is a very grave moment or an important moment in in British history, actually, because, yes. uh, I think the Brexit revolution has reached its high watermark, uh, and did so, uh, when, uh, with quasi Quarteng's, uh, budget, because it was basically the, there had been three iterations of Brexit. First of all, we had Theresa May, who, who tried to build a pragmatic Brexit with, with strong relations still with Europe as you will recall, with her yes, deal. Uh, and then that was destroyed by uh, Boris Johnson, but also backed by the hedge fund managers who, who didn't want it. And they, I think, helped him destroy her deal. They installed Johnson, who tried to uh, have what you might call as a leveling up Brexit, a Brexit which appealed to the voters in the north of England who'd supported Brexit. Um, that was going badly, but Johnson actually had to leave office because he was a compulsive and habitual liar, and he was caught up lying. So that iteration of Brexit finished, and we had a leadership election, um, which was won by a really a political fantasist in the shape of Liz Truss. Um, and she, she had the libertarian Brexit, you know, the idea that you reduced taxes for the super rich uh, and um, the super rich really took over her government they were in control of it uh, and they um, and her quasi-quartings um, so-called mini budget or financial statement of a few weeks ago was the apogee of that version of libertarian Brexit um, and then the markets actually the markets intervened to put a stop to that Uh, Kwasi Teng was obliged to leave office. In circumstances, I can discuss a bit more. Um, And um, today, Jeremy Hunt has come in and, uh, and basically called time on all this nonsense.
0: Yes, and the Brexit element of this, the former Irish ambassador to the UK, Bobby McDonough, has a very good piece in the Irish Times today in which he suggests... That the roots of uh, Truss's budgetary bedlam lie deep in the soil of Brexit, and it was this idea Michael Gove advanced it a a few years ago as well. We're sick of experts, uh, uh, Michael Gove said, and this was the and this goes back to the sacking of the permanent secretary to treasury on the first day, Sir Tom Scholar. These are people, these uh, ideologues, uh, who respect nobody really, who is diligent, honest, and uh, likely to be sane.
1: Yes, I think this is undeniable. I was very surprised when she, the first thing she did, really, was to get rid of Tom Scholar, who some of the people listening may not know. He was the uh, kind of the official uh, who sat had, held Gordon Brand's hand when the financial banking crisis happened in 2008 and britain played a very significant role in 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 dealing with that crisis Uh, and um tom scholar as you know we sort of i think we helped ireland at that time you know it was it was it was a fine moment and we're very proud of that and uh, but many of my Irish friends said how much that had sort of meant to them, and it, it had really helped relations between our two countries. But yes,
0: indeed, it was one of our darkest hours, uh, and the the the, the help uh, and the gesture, as much as the money, mattered greatly.
1: Uh, anyway, that was Tom Scholar, and he, he and it was quite amazing actually that it, we have we are now moving towards. Forget about Britain for a second, the new global financial crisis, and at such a moment for. Um, the first thing that Trust did was to sack uh, Tom Scholar, uh, the Permanent Secretary at the Treasury. It was quite irresponsible and stupid. Um, And to install Kwasi Akwaten, who has no credentials to be Chancellor, which were meaningful apart from his association with uh, hedge fund managers, these super-rich people who live in Mayfair mainly or operate out of Mayfair, um, he, he was installed and he started, uh, and he really governed, tried to govern without the Treasury, without the Office of Budget Responsibility, without all the institutional structures of the British state, and of, uh, and came to grief having inflicted huge damage to Britain's reputation as a sensible place, a sensible country.
0: On the evening that he delivered that budget, he went to a reception, a champagne reception with hedge fund managers. Uh, That's really odd, (laughs) to put it mildly, because these people would have been shorting the pound and doing all kinds of stuff. And for somebody who had just imposed a vicious form of austerity, actually, on the poor people, ordinary people, to be going off and having champagne with hedge fund managers... Uh, tells you something and not being afraid to let it be known.
1: I, mean, I think that the defenders of Mr. Kwarteng say that he was simply going to meet, brief the city or something like that about the budget. But I have to say that it showed extraordinarily poor judgment, in my view, to go off and meet the hedge fund managers. Um, he worked for one, a very significant one, a chap called. Crispin Odie, who's been making a lot of money out of Brexit and out of the ups and downs of the, of Sterling Uh, and I think it's uh, he, he, he it would have behooved him much better to have kept his uh, distance particularly once he uh, became Chancellor of of the Exchequer. Remember these hedge fund managers are not sort of like, you know, they're not embedded (laughs) in, in the soil as it were, you know, the Conservative Party traditionally has had major links with the shires, with manufacturing industry, with yes. the nations of, 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 of Britain. Uh, and the hedge fund managers, these people basically uh, operate out of Mayfair, the super-rich part of yes. London. Uh, and they they, they they often keep their profits ill gotten gains, some would call them. Uh, overseas where they're not available to the taxman to take a legitimate cut out of, to pay for public services. Uh, and, the, uh, and really, something had gone horribly wrong um, with Liz Truss and quasi Kwarteng's vision of how to run Britain. They just written Britain was owned and run over the last few years, really, because it also applies to Johnson by a small group of uh, super-rich
0: Yeah, let me just put this to you, Peter. Britain has had four prime ministers now, I think. Theresa May, Boris Johnson, this lady who is in in power at the moment, and before that, David Cameron, in what, in six years? Yeah. There's been, I think, five chancellors of the Exchequer in that time. What do you see happening now? I mean, Jeremy Hunt lost out twice in his leadership bids. He was second to Boris Johnson. The position is evident. He is in charge now, and he said uh, of his decisions made today, I made this, I have done this. He didn't say we. He talked about it being his plan, and it clearly is his plan. But it's only going to hold out. I mean, how could she go to the dispatch box on Wednesday for leaders' questions? Peter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if she'll still be uh, Prime Minister then. Yes. Uh, When you saw that statement, uh, I think it was Friday, by Liz Truss to the press gallery. I did, I saw it. Well, that was a hostage video. It wasn't really a Prime Minister's statement. It's one of those things that's come out of Syria or Iraq, you know. um, She didn't want to say the things she said. She was being made to say them. Uh, and then after Kua Teng, she was obliged to install Hunt, the, uh, uh, Jeremy Hunt. And really, she's a figure like in the uh, sort of a, those Victorian Gothic novels where you thinking maybe of Jane Eyre, a very good book, you know, where there is this. Person kind of wandering around the house, but you know, not in not in control of himself or herself, <laughs> and kept almost kept secret now. Um, and that is the British uh, Prime Minister, um, irrational, um, capable of doing maybe a bit more damage, needing to be restrained. And that is the situation she finds herself in. Uh, it's not sustainable.
0: Is the Tory Party now? And this Tory government, uh, there's been Tory government now for 12 years. And the, the nature of the party, the character of the party, uh, libertarian jihadis is a good way to describe it. A lot of the characters in this European research group, uh, which are controlling the message on and the, the legislation, in fact, on Northern Ireland, on the Northern Protocol, which is Potentially extremely damaging to this country. Are these people in control for good now, and have all the the decent centre ground Tories left politics? Quite a few have, haven't
1: they? Well, the, a terrible thing happened to the Conservative Party just after Johnson uh, took over, and that was that Johnson expelled or suspended membership of the party, took away the whip from. A lot of sensible people like Ken Clarke, the former uh, Chancellor yes. of the Exchequer, uh, uh, um, Rory Stewart. Um, but people like that, who um, David Gork, I think, was kicked out. Was, so, yeah. uh, and Dominic Grieve. Now, that meant it was left in the hands of really what people I would require, regard as either t- hopelessly un- unqualified or just um Fanatics. However, that and they that that they have been in charge now for three or four years. Three and I I have to say that I think we can take hope from the events of this week. I think that the um, end of um, Johnson and now the end of Truss means that this period of madness is coming to an end. We've now got people who uh, are, are decent people. I think I'm hoping, like Hunt. Uh, Who are realistic uh, and basically are going to try and take Britain back uh, to being a normal country again. Yes. So I predict the idea of undoing the Northern or Northern Ireland Protocol, that's going to go. Now, they won't do that. Um, I think Ireland can take some comfort from events of the last few years. Uh, days. Um, I think Britain, you know, the idea you can govern without reference to international financial markets is gone. Um, I, I think the whole Brexit project has now hit the buffers. And uh, I think Britain will move steadily back towards g- cooperation with the European Union and probably actually, I think, rejoin it in in the fullness of time.
0: Yes, um, although that's a truth if it, or an opinion that even You know, the Labour Party can't really say at the moment you have to go along with it. And Kirstarmer when asked about if he wanted to go back into Europe, had to say, of course, no, not at the moment. What I want to ask you, Peter, because it's of immense interest to those of us who are fond of Britain, and I lived there for almost 20 years, and I have uh, great respect for the decency of British people. What shocks me is the indecency of this Tory government and the one before it. I mean, Theresa May, I think, a decent woman. Johnson is what we all know. And I urge people, if they want to know the scale of Johnson's lying, Peter has up on the internet, Peter Auburn, the lies of Boris Johnson. And there are (laughs) hundreds (laughs) and maybe thousands of them. What I want to ask you, Peter, is this. Can Britain be salvaged? That Britain that many of us admired of decency, honor, and a generosity towards the world rather than making enemies in Europe, making enemies. She was asked about France in the run up to the between her and uh, Rishi Sunak, friend or foe, which I haven't made my mind up yet.
1: It's very lovely of you to talk in that way about Britain. There are many people listening to this. Show who probably don't feel that way, and there are good reasons to look at events in British history, including in Ireland, and, and, and question that. Nevertheless, you put the best—you know what we in Britain think think of ourselves as, as at our best.
0: Yeah, and Britain was first out of the traps in in the Ukraine matter, uh, no, yes, with, with support and real support, military support, financial support,
1: and that was Johnson. No, yes. What I think is that we are, uh, but there have been some horrible manifestations. Uh, you know, think of the current home secretary and her plans for refugees oh, yes. and asylum seekers, the ugly bigotry. Yes. Ugly yes. bigotry um, Braverman. Yes. Yes. and the kind of readiness to sort of insult people who really are our allies. Um, I think that that period in history we're going to be moving away from. We're now moving back. We have learned over the last few days, it's a very humiliating moment for Britain, Uh, but out of humiliation, you can learn the right lessons and hope that we do, uh, and that our future lies in cooperating with our our neighbours and not with snubbing them and insulting them, um, that we are constrained by the same constraints of international order, we should be a law abiding nation, not as the brexiteer movement trying yes. to make us a law breaking nation um and so I think there is a i think that we will it won't be easy but i and I think there's a lot of terrible things are going to be happening ahead. Economically, which will happen to all countries, I should say, yes. but maybe more than us, more to us because of the grotesque policy errors made of private Johnson and the and then the trust period. But uh, I think we and it's a battle now. We have we're really fighting, um, Eamon, for liberal democracy. Yes, of
0: course we are, and that is the big geopolitical battle between China, China, Russia, the Saudis, and all of that, and. That's absolutely right. And that's why, among other things, Britain is so important.
1: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind.
0: on British television, floating the prospect of Boris Johnson coming back as Prime Minister. But the other thing is more serious, and it goes directly to your own experience. I've been reading your journalism for, what, 30 years or more. The British press and the role they play, they were Liz Truss supporters from day one in, in the contest, when it came down to her and Mr. Sunak and the membership of the Tory Party, they really were—I mean, the Mail, uh, the Telegraph, the Daily Express, which you could hardly call a newspaper—but they're very, very influential. The British press, aren't they?
1: Well, I, this, is, this is a very profound question you're raising, and I worked for a pretty well all, week, all, all three of those papers at various times. Um, now. They welcomed the, um, trust budget. Yes. In, uh, like the, so the male having put trust in, yes. played a major role because they worked to destroy our, uh, her, her rivals and put her in. And then when she um, got the budget that she wanted, they called it now at last for a truly Tory budget. So they've been behind. The kind of, they've supported trust every inch of the way into office. They then threw their weight behind this calamitous budget, uh, and so did I think the Telegraph, uh, probably the Express. I don't read it, and that means that uh, the credibility. Remember, they fought for Johnson to become yes, get into indeed. office. Yep. They then. Uh, for him to survive even though he was exposed as for, for the charlatan liar that he was i i wonder whether i just wonder whether how much damage the male uh, uh, uh the the tory right-wing press which is owned by the way by mill- billionaire non-doms yes. people who don't you know tend to be based abroad and not in britain and yet carry have carried enormous weight That is a you know, I think whether they've been exposed in the eyes of their readership as being because they've been got it wrong a time and time again. Now they've systemically got it wrong. The point,
0: Peter, I would suggest to you is this: that if you take, say, the Mail, um, it's a special case. And in the United States, when you talk about the fight for liberal democracy in the United States, you have Fox News, which is the most watched cable news. Outlet and doing enormous damage in the United States, which is teetering on the brink, really, of losing its liberal democracy. uh, Should Trump get back in power, you know that, and that. So media matters greatly, and the sacrifice you've made. I mean, you were you left uh, resigned from the Telegraph in in, twenty fifteen, and you've written. Some books, some really important books, indeed. It's the latest one, The Fate of Abraham, which I'm reading. These books are important. These exposes of Johnson's lies, which is on the internet there if people want to search and they're shocking.
1: I mean, my book, Assault on Truth, you can buy that book or you can read, you can read some of the, uh, the my selection, not my selection, Boris hyphen Johnson like high hyphen lies.com. Oh, you can read that on the internet. And it's, it, I'm just updating you. So, yet again, it's heartbreaking work. So. <laughs> but the point is that you
0: were, you know, in the first rank of British journalists, the two time winner of Columnists of the Year in 2016, 2012. You left because you couldn't put up with it. And the question is, is it a hospitable environment, the media, for people like you? And all the great British journalists, all the great British journalists down the decades, Peter, whether it's the Dimblebees, Robin Day's, uh, Peter O'Burns.
1: No, I'm not having this actually. I'm sorry, okay, Eddie, great, very kind to of me, but I, I don't rate myself in that class. And I've made plenty of um, errors <laughs> myself. <laughs> and uh, I, um, <laughs> but thank you very much. I do think there is a crisis. But talking generally, there is a uh, there is a crisis in in British uh, journalism uh, over all sorts of things. Actually, not just um, you know the reporting of lies. And I think we all, uh, I do think the British mass media, including me, have to examine how we've covered the last uh, the developments of the last seven years it's been a wretched time in, in british public life and um, i, I think i think we need to as a nation uh, we have gone off the over off the rails um, and it's a question of of getting up realizing that we have done that uh, and try to return to Maybe it's a better nation than we were before. Maybe we had to learn these lessons. Maybe we were too proud, too arrogant, uh, and um, we uh, were too ready to be bigoted, angry. Uh, you know, we need to learn how to talk to each other and to other countries again. You know, people do go through nervous breakdowns, and that's what Britain is doing.
0: Yes. Let me ask you finally, uh, Peter, about Brexit. Now, Brexit it was sort of, you know, a life-changing, we we won't know for a long time, but all the signs are that it hasn't been good for Europe and it has been pretty bad uh, for Britain. The role of the media, the British media, and I'm talking about print media, in getting Brexit over the line, and it was only 48-52, it was close enough thing, was that critical? And how important has Brexit been to much of what's happened in the years since Britain left Europe?
1: That's you know, an absolutely central question uh, and one where my conscience isn't clean because I was running a column on the Daily Mail uh, in the year running up to Brexit. I and used I, to read uh, it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I got it wrong. Uh, and so you really have to, I got it wrong. I supported, I voted for Brexit. And I have to admit, and I did actually write a long piece. You may remember it. Yes. A couple of years later saying, we got, we, we, we were wrong. But I, that is the, that is the path we set off on. And, um, I, um, think that we have to look at how the, press, which, without exception, the Murdoch Press, the Associated Pre- Newspapers, and the Telegraph Group, and the Express, without exception, they backed Brexit, um, and uh, I don't think they presented, we presented, it's it's on me as well, this, um, uh, the arguments fairly, we didn't think hard enough about it, um, and... Um, well, there is good reason and as so well. We, the, there is... The ha- what we, what the, but what I haven't seen hardly anyone do in that, in the right wing press is say, did we get it right? There was one person did, uh, wrote this, uh, a very interesting article. Uh, Jeremy Warner, the yes. economics editor of the Daily Telegraph, wrote a very interesting piece last Saturday saying, look, Brexit hasn't worked.
0: Right. It's so. been
1: a disaster we have to admit this. Now, others haven't and I think that is going to be a national conversation now. Yes. Um and um so uh, this is this is very traumatic. Um but uh, for Britain and for British politicians and for uh, jo- journalists who really do have to take responsibility for what we write and be answerable for it.
0: A final question about, which is probably unanswerable, who will, who's left to lead the Tories, or does it require now a general election?
1: Well, natural justice, I, I think that should be a general election. We can't have a situation where the uh, Prime Minister keeps on changing every few weeks. Um, <laughs> the uh, British uh, people elected Boris Johnson, on a manifesto, which, as I reveal, as I exposed, was full of lies, but he, they, they elected him um, in 2019. Um, he then had to leave because he was caught out lying so many times, replaced by Truss, who lied away way um, uh, to winning the votes of the majority of the Tory. Uh, members uh, got herself in, but it was pure fantasy what she was talking about. And, and that fantasy has now been exposed. Um, and so we're going to have another, I'm quite certain of this, another Tory leader in the next few days or weeks, um, probably days. Uh, but at that point, I do think that new Tory leader, whoever she or he may be, needs to say, look, uh, we, we, I, I don't have a popular mandate uh, this should go to, that should be a, a general election because yes. the Conservatives, quite honestly, have, and I have to say this, there's a wonderful, uh, have shown themselves completely incapable uh, of governing Britain. That's why I should uh, leave you with this great, I'm trying to dig it out as I speak. Yes, I found it. In 1955, Winston Churchill, uh, you know, the great war leader, you North, know, the yeah. great, uh, you know, pro- conservative Prime Minister before then under did liberal uh, before World War One, he he said this uh, at a speech, I think in his constituency, um, just a few days before he resigned for the final time of Prime Minister, he said, the first duty of a member of Parliament is to do what he thinks, in his faithful and disinterested judgment, is right and necessary for the honour and safety of Great Britain. Yes. His second duty is to his constituents, of whom he is the representative, but not the delegate.
0: Right, exactly. Burke's,
1: yeah. he don't quite like cites Burke, Edmund Burke, who yes, remember indeed. was Irish. He was. Irish he was. Catholic. <laughs> Never forget that, Edmund Burke. Burke's famous declaration um, on this subject is well known. And it is only in the third place, the third rank that his duty to the party organization or program takes place. Now that is, think what that means. You, you, you as a, an MP have, owe your primary duty to yes. do what is right in the interests of the nation. Now that is something which I think conservatives should now reflect on.
0: Okay, Peter, uh, as always, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, Peter O'Brien is and was a great journalist, and you should seek out his work. His latest book is fascinating, The Fate of Abraham, Why the West is Wrong About Islam. It's a book I'm reading, and we're going to, hopefully with Peter, review it in the not-too-distant future. We're very grateful to you, Peter, and thank you for joining us. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.